Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back on this episode of 30 with Murdy, a conversation with Rohan Honda. It's not a name you know right now, but you might in the near future. Rohan is a left-handed pitcher out of Yale who is turning heads with the mystic schooners of the NECBL College Summer League this year. He's six foot three, 214 pounds, throws a mid-90s fastball and a slider that is already considered major league quality by some of the scouts I've spoken to. Now, none of that really makes Rohan unique, except that he has an interesting background. First of all, he's the son of Indian immigrants, just like me. Now, that's probably where the similarities end, since my slider never earned a high scouting grade, and I could wear platform shoes and carry around a pair of 20-pound dumbbells and still not tip 6'3", 214. But I gravitated towards baseball, albeit in a different capacity at a young age, and found it to be a bonding experience between cultures. Rohan shares some of that background. The only success pitchers from India have ever had in professional baseball? Documented in the movie Million Dollar Arm. The two kids signed by the Pirates back in 2008 never made it far in the minor leagues, but the seed was planted in India, and it's actually part of Rohan's dream to see the sport grow there. His making the major leagues would be a giant first step in that direction. And again, scouts I've spoken with say, he has a real good chance to be drafted in the higher rounds this year. The draft will be held in mid-July during All-Star Week. Rohan's story is also interesting because he was not a pro prospect entering Yale as a freshman, and when COVID shut down the last two Ivy League seasons, he didn't have a great body of work to showcase either. But he used the downtime to visit a place called Tread Athletics, and with adjustments to his training mechanics and everything else related to pitching, Rohan has become a legit draft prospect who has scouts ranging out to Connecticut to see him this summer. For a more in-depth look at one of the more unique draft prospects in my lifetime, here is my conversation with Rohan Honda. First of all, Rohan, I want to ask you, what's your experience been like with Mystic this summer and pitching in the college league, and, and how do you feel about it? Obviously, uh, when it comes to uh, baseball for me, I haven't really pitched in a competitive game in 15 months. Um, so pl- playing summer baseball, I was looking very, very much forward to it. Um, and as soon as the opportunity came about for Mystic, I want to say February or March, um, I couldn't let go of it. Um, I, I've also heard great things about the town, and obviously it's showing now. I'm having the greatest time here, and I could not have enjoyed it anymore. Um so yeah, I, I've been making new friendships, um, just been work, uh, working to get better and kind of just making new friends along the way. And 
obviously, I can't really thank the coaches enough for um, giving me this opportunity. You had a little bit of Ivy League experience before everything was shut down. You hadn't pitched a whole lot there, but what do you feel about the level of competition you're facing right now in the NECBL? I honestly, it's better than I expected. Um, I would say that when it comes to the Cape Cod League, the NECBL, this Coastal Plains League, um, I think it, the NECBL is up there, um, in particular with the arms. Um, uh, it's We've seen a lot of really good arms uh, around this league, and I, I do think that uh, the competition is definitely elevated in comparison to the past years. So when the – well, first of all, you didn't pitch a whole lot at Yale because of what happened the last two years. Uh, so you have a few innings there, but when you went to Yale to uh, – to play baseball and study, what were your expectations for your baseball career? What were you thinking was going to happen? Yeah, at, at, at the time when I entered Yale, um, I wasn't necessarily too realistic with how I was as a pitcher. I thought I was okay. I thought mm-hmm. I could get the job done um, and nothing really too far beyond that. Um, there would be moments of inconsistencies throughout the fall and winter where I would kind of get exposed a little bit um, at Yale because I think to succeed in anything i think you have need to have a set routine and be very disciplined in regards to what you're trying to get done um and that yale was honestly just for me to get out but before that it wasn't necessarily anything else um i wasn't working on anything mechanically yes i was trying to get stronger but that's only a small part of the process um so at yale it was a it was definitely a a tough it was tough to to really like learn because i i did not get the i was not smart enough at the time to uh, know myself better. And uh, I think when COVID kind of came and um, hit us out of nowhere, I was able to really self-reflect and um, learn a lot about myself and really move forward. But, uh, but yeah, this is, this is a, this is something that I think is more like on a personal level. Uh, you don't really tend to see this from other players. T- players tend to figure it out going into college. I think for me, I was still trying to learn a lot. I think there's probably still a big group of people that you know, kind of find themselves in college and find their way along. But you're moving into a position now where people are very excited about the upcoming draft and your potential there. Was that a thought process for you as you were entering Yale? Uh, It definitely was. It definitely was. And uh, knowing where I was at at the time, uh, I wasn't even close to to where I am now. Um, uh, I would honestly say I kind of, Degressed a little bit when it comes to velocity when I was there. Um, if simply in that cold weather, no routine, you're going to get exposed. Your arm's going to get exposed. Uh, health-wise, it's just not the greatest thing for you. So, um, yes, that was an expectation get drafted. Um, I think when we all go to even, – even in an Ivy League school, I think when we all have the same ambitions, I think it's very, very good to have that sort of goal of getting drafted and trying to play professional baseball. Well, the shutdown kind of helped you figure things out because you're able to focus on the coaching aspect of it as opposed to the competition level of it, and it got you to a different place. How and uh, when did you get hooked up with Tread Athletics, and what did they do for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say around uh, early May was when I started uh, gauging interest with uh, Tread Athletics. Of Actually, my younger 2020 okay. of 2020. Um, uh, my brother at the time actually started a couple of weeks earlier um, and I was kind of just learning from him, seeing what he was going through. And I, I saw how detailed their process was. So I figured I might as well join in on this as well. And this was something I decided that I 
my brother my brother and I decided to go all in. Like this was all in that we needed to go on because we both know that there was so much we needed to work on and this was the right group of people to to help us figure it out. Um, and when it comes to the development side of things, there were so many things that I needed to work on. Um, in particular, it was more of my arm action. I kind of shot put at the ball. It, it sounds crazy when you when, when I say it, but <laughs> if you if you look back at past videos, it's true. I my my arm was not in a great position to where I was able to like actually get, gain some leverage at all. Um, so I would definitely uh, be working a lot on the on the um, I would say on the arm action, but then also on the mobility side of things. Um, Tread usually has an assessment that make every um, every player do. And I want to say it's like 40 to 45 categories when it comes to the uh, to the mobility side of things. And they are so pinpoint into what they want you to test out. Um, so obviously I took that assessment and there were a lot of things that we could pinpoint that needed to be better. So obviously I got better in those aspects as well. Um, and then the strength aspect, which is something I feel like I've been doing okay. I was able to to get along uh, get along with Tread well in that aspect as well. So um, I would say it's honestly a combination of a lot of things. I can't really pinpoint one thing uh, just because that's how much I needed to work on my body. And um, thank God I did that because uh, I would say it's definitely been game changing. But I will say, um, I will give credit to another place as well that I usually, um, that I went to from August to November. It's actually a place called Dynamic Sports Training based out of Houston, Texas. Um, started by Kevin Poppy and uh, Hayden Letts. Um, I went there more particularly for the lifting aspect, just because I felt like there was a program there for me where I was able to get stronger at a quicker amount of time. Um, I feel like once I was able to achieve that, then I think I can work a lot more on making my move, making my body in particular move um, a lot faster, which helps with, I guess, consistency in, in pitching. Um, so I stayed with a couple of teammates um, from um, August to November and, uh, I would say that was, that was a really good experience just to be with teammates again. I mean, it was mm -hmm. too long already at the time, but um, I'll definitely give some credit as well in, into my development. All right. So I, I have you listed as 6'3", 214. What's, uh, is, how accurate is that? And, and where have you gone, say, like in the last two years, uh, maybe 18 months? How much have you gained strength-wise? So height's obviously the same, but uh, the weight I went from uh, – 225 to around 210 uh, at least when I was in um, Houston um, I'm I still I got a little bit higher just to gain a little bit more of that muscle mass um, so I um, on a consistency basis I try to be in between uh, 212 and 214 uh, every day wow. um, and that's something that I've like I've really honed in on because that's where I feel like I'm the best I feel like the best um, that's where I think I got to the point where I knew my body at certain weights and what feels good, what doesn't. And I finally figured out like, this is, this is the ideal situation, ideal spot to be in. Um, and then in the strength aspect, I think it was a lot of single leg stuff that I, that I really worked on. Uh, a lot of lunges, uh, Bulgarian split squats. They sound horrible, they, but they help so much. <laughs> the, 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 the torture is still there, but it's, it's, it's worth it in the long run. Um, I think that, uh, people, people need to embrace it a little bit more. And, uh, I would definitely say that the, uh, obviously upper body got a lot better. I was able to like actually leverage my upper body really well on certain lifts, but uh, I would definitely say that some of the single leg stuff that we did in particular in Houston was absolutely game changing. 
All right, so your fastball's uh, mid-90s, but your slider has gotten a lot of attention from people. Uh, John Stuper is your college coach, former big league pitcher. I actually remember seeing him pitch for the Cardinals in the World Series when I was younger. Um, and a famous hit that he gave up to Pete Rose, a highlight hit that he gave up to Pete Rose along the way. Uh, you've probably heard some of those stories, but what are, um, what are some of the things that he and the others helped you, especially in the development with your slider? As soon as I got to college, um, Coach Zipper was uh, really honing in on trying to develop the slider. Um, this was something that was very new to me because I threw a, a pretty crappy curveball at the time. So uh, <laughs> it, 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 was good to, it was good to know that there was another option out there. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely a struggle at first because, um, it was just more of like a feel aspect. Um, I wasn't really understanding what I was getting myself into. Um, at the time there would be certain days would be really good. Certain days what I would absolutely struggle with it. Um, and I think the, the thing that's been game changing now in comparison to the past was that it's consistent. I, I have to feel for it now to where I can throw it wherever I want at whatever count. And I think that's the most ideal situation to be in when it comes to throwing any particular off-speed pitch so yeah super super was super definitely helping when it comes to starting that out and i think it was it was getting more and more consistent even going into the sophomore year of 2020 um but once COVID hit uh it was obviously about gaining velocity but it was also about uh, improving your repertoire so yeah i worked with a pitch design guy there at tread his name is uh, tyler zombro um, and he helps me a lot when it comes to the, the off-duty pitches. Um, slider was, slider was like 75, 78 at the time when I was working with him. Not, not ideal, not mm-hmm. ideal if you want to be some sort of prospect. Um, so we worked a lot on the slider, worked a lot on possibly different grips, um, different ways of feeling it, different ways of cueing it. Um, I do think that every pitch that you throw some sort of like, if you have one particular cue that will help you be consistent. Just hone in on that. Don't don't overthink it. Make it simple for yourself. Um, but yeah, that, uh, the slider's definitely been a game changer as of late. I think I want to say two days ago when I pitched, that was probably the best it's actually ever been. Um, and I do think that there was a new particular feel that I had there that I didn't really have in the past to where I can definitely use it in future outings. Uh, splitter and change. I have read a part of your repertoire. I've heard people talk more about your fastball and slider. Where, where do you consider your split and change right now and, and your usage and things like that? That's a good question. Um, I would say that for the splitter and the change up in particular. Um, so my, my full, full repertoire at the moment right now, which is what I possibly use the most. So I use a two seam, two seam action right now when it comes to the fastball. Um, I throw a slider, but then I've also been starting throwing this cutter as of late. Um, this is something I started if I, if I were to start, um, have any sort of long outings. Um, I figured a cutter has been a pitch where I feel like I've been able to gain some feel up at a very quick amount of time. Um, and once I was able to gain the feel of that just in the week, in just a week, I was able to be at least making a difference compared to the slider. And this is not more of an out pitch at all. This is more of, of missing barrels. Um, but that's definitely, that's another pitch that I've also added to the repertoire, but in regards to the splitter and changeup, I used to throw a changeup at the time. Um, and back when I was working with the pitch design guy at tread, we actually let go of the changeup and started working on the splitter. Um, just because my changeup was like very similar, uh, to my fastball, but I do think I have been, uh, working a little bit with the changeup again, just, uh, I do feel like when it comes to in the future and like where I'm going to be at 
if I do want to, if I am a starter in the future, I do think I'm going to change up away from really figuring out my repertoire. I do think the splitter, I do need to use more often, but when it's on, it's just, it's, it's just another level as well. But for the splitter, for me, it's more mental. It's such an interesting and intriguing pitch out there that where it's just all mental. It's all mental. So I think I, it's just putting, putting more reps out there with the splitter and especially with the changeup and just um, trying to use it more in game-like situations. Ron, are you finding the difference between, you know, the pitch lab stuff and actual game competition stuff as you've gone through this summer? Are you finding, you know, the, the, maybe some of the subtle and more overt differences in the two aspects? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was training and throwing live at bats um, at Tread, it would be with a track man. It would be with a radar gun behind, and I would know the numbers that are coming. Um, in games, you don't know any of that. Yeah. And I think the very first outing itself was probably the best I ever felt when it comes to before start. And the first thing I really wanted to know what my velo was. What was. And, and then I told myself, you just can't. You just can't. You gotta go pitch. You've got to go pitch. Um, there's a difference now. You're, this, these games are. These games are really matter. There are people here to see you, and you've got to prove that you can pitch because the numbers are there. The velo numbers are there. Now it's just backing it up with some sort of repertoire, and then getting out so long away. So, what's it like to explain to people? And all your teammates are in the same boat. There are scouts at all these games, and you know you're a couple of weeks away from from the major league draft and everybody kind of has everybody on the field has certain visions of, of what they want their career to be. What's it like to, to know that there are people in the stands who might have a little say in your future? What do you, you and your teammates talk about in regards to that? Well, for me on a personal level, it's very humbling. Um, just being wanted by these guys, I would say, or just being approached by these guys is some of the, is probably some of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, the very first start itself, uh, I was so nervous. I've never seen that many cameras watch watch me throw a bullpen before a game. I figured it'd be during the game where I'd be focusing on the hitter, but this was simply before the game even started. Um, and I think um, the guys around the guys around kind of just embraced the situation as well, and kind of uh, we all kind of just learned from each other as to like how to handle the situations better, how we could uh, maybe some certain things we could work on, and. Uh, I do think in situations like this, it's just uh, going, putting forth their best. Because at, at the end of the day, all you want to be is a consistent pitcher at a very high level. Um, and that's what I'm trying to prove here now. Um, yeah, there are some, sometimes there are bad days that happen. And, there's, and there are days where you have to fight through that. Um, but as long as you keep getting outs and uh, keep doing your job, then uh, the nerves start to go away quite quickly. You're... Um... You're playing with a lot of people from all over right now, around the country, different uh, different parts of the country. So they didn't all go through the exact same thing, dude. They didn't. You had two seasons canceled. <laughs> you had two Ivy League yeah. seasons canceled. Not everybody's in the same boat. But as you're kind of getting back into the swing of things here, and things are opening up more, um, I mean, you've already talked about maybe some of the benefits you have seen from not having to pitch in game action and being able to work on things to improve. Um, are you and your teammates just kind of really have you even talked about the idea of just kind of getting back to normal and getting back into a season and in a flow call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I do think that uh, certain players on teams are starting to realize that while we are getting back to normal and wanting to play more, some people are starting to realize that, look, having the right training regimen can really change things. I think some people right now are having seasons doing well, but guys around them know that, that, they, that they can be better. And I do think that uh, when it comes to COVID, it was probably the biggest blessing of my life on the development aspect. Um, and I'll, it's been one of the craziest journeys I've had, but when it comes to coming back to normalcy, yeah, we're, we are all looking forward to it. It is getting better and better month by month. Um, glad to see many people getting vaccinated. Hopefully the trend continues, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely nice to have a crowd too, regardless how big or small there it is around any game that we play, just simply having a crowd and interacting with them has been so, so fun. All right, so tell me a little bit about growing up in North Carolina and what your baseball experience was like there as a fan, as a player. Uh, you and I are separated by generation, but we do have a similar background. Uh, first generation of our family born in the U.S., parents, uh, parents are Indian immigrants. So what kind of role – tell me, what are your earliest memories about being a baseball fan and having that experience with you and your family growing up? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a uh little kid, I want to say when I was three or four years old, um, we tried out so many different sports. Um, this was some, I loved being active. My brother and I loved being active and um, it would be basketball, soccer, baseball, sometimes tennis, sometimes golf, but 
Um, baseball was my love since since I was four years old. Um, and it hasn't really stopped since. Uh, the passion for the game will never go away from me as long as I live. And I do think that uh, I lived in a great community um, where we were able to like embrace the game and enjoy the game uh, together. And I, I would say as a fan, um, I've been a fan of the Yankees, um, oh, which yeah. I've yeah, which I, which I love. Um, I will say that my brother and I idolized Derek Jeter at quite a young age. Um, watching him do his thing was uh, simply a, a joy to watch. And I, we went to the old Yankee Stadium. That was the very first MLB stadium that we went to. Um, so that made us even more of a fan. When, did, <laughs> uh, when was that? Yan- do you remember when that was? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say 2010, give or take one or two years uh, more or less mm-hmm. um but uh cc sabathia was pitching at the time against the texas rangers so it was actually a really really good matchup uh back when the rangers were uh, a solid team with josh yeah. hamilton of los angeles adrian beltre mm-hmm. um so that was definitely a, a very fun game to watch um and actually quite recently my my brother and um, my parents went to um, tampa bay versus yankees game after they dropped me here in mystic so oh, yeah. um just going back to yankee stadium going back to the um to the, just watch these guys play and um now that both of us are uh, just crazy baseball learners and wanting to learn about uh about the game watching these guys we have a different perspective now we have a different kind of respect um and I would say that simply just um, enjoying them has been awesome. Like, obviously, it's been it's been a struggle the last couple of years. A lot of frustrations yeah. have, have come about with uh, with the Yankees, but uh, but yeah, regardless, uh, we're also just here to learn from other players, regardless like who we're a fan of. Learning guys from like Degrom, uh, Yu Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. Um, I mean, Garrett Cole, obviously, and then we're just we're just here to be, we're just here to be learners now. Your uh, your brother is still in high school. Um, so he is going to Middlebury this upcoming fall. Mm-hmm. He's going to play baseball there. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how his college journey goes. It's going to be a very very fun time. So you know, tell me a little bit about how you and your parents uh, all felt about really this. You know, one gr- growing up loving baseball and kind of choosing this career path because. Um, listen, I grew up in an era when the career path I chose as a, as a broadcaster and following sports this way, um, it wasn't necessarily considered one of the traditional paths uh, for children of Indian immigrants. It was mostly, you know, listen, the stereotypes are true for a reason, right? It was, yeah. it was about being a doctor or being an engineer, yeah. computer yeah. science, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. How... How did you go about having this kind of love affair with baseball and growing into seeing it as a possible profession and the type of support you received, not just from your parents, but maybe from extended family, people in the community who might not have been as familiar with how, you know, how possible it was to go do this? You're right. Um, these stereotypes still do come about these days. And uh, I will say being an Indian American playing the game of baseball is a very rare thing as of late. And I'm very very thankful to be a part of that small group um at the moment but i i will say um during high school um at least when i wanted to go to college it was all about just uh making sure that we're disciplined um if we're like that's the only thing my parents really care about if you want to pursue it be disciplined and i feel like that's a very good message regardless what career path you go into um so that obviously that path that process got me into college um 
and I would say we, we didn't really think of it as a profession until last year, I would say. I want to say late 2020 um, because things were really starting to turn around when it comes to the development side of things. So earlier we would be work, trying to figure out internships and trying to figure out uh, job opportunities. Uh, and yeah, while that work experience would be very good, I just wasn't good enough at baseball at the time. Um, so keep keep being disciplined, obviously. Um, having that set routine, my brother and I holding each other accountable having the tread coaches, the DST coaches holding me accountable as well. Um, they're learning as I'm learning. That's how it's been since the college process they, because they went to college in India. So it's been, it's been a, a very cool learning experience for us to have together. Um, and I, I do think it's, uh, I do think it's been a, a, a blessing to have them be in my, in my sort of bubble when it comes to the support system. Um, and I, I will say having family in India, you're still trying to teach them as well. Um, mm -hmm. they, they ask these sort of questions, they ask these sort of questions to try to explain it to them in the simplest way possible. Um, and then you try to explain them the draft as well. Like, um, they're, they're, they're so excited, but they want to understand. Yeah. And I, I do think that trying to keep in constant contact with them, um, trying to make sure they get it even more and more after each call is, um, something that it'd be really cool for them to learn. And maybe they can pass it on to other people because I, I will say this, um, I, I really want to expand the game of baseball to India. And I wouldn't say like the whole million dollar arm way. Yeah. I want it to be like, I, I want it to be like one of those fun experiences to where like a little league could be created of some sort. Um, people from India can go, we can create a league in India to where people can go straight to the minors afterwards or some, some sort of crazy thing that could happen. But I do think being an ambassador for the game um, around the world would be something that I, I would dream about doing. And I, I simply would not, stop pursuing that until I feel like it's achieved because it's definitely if we can find 11 of the best guys in the world to play cricket we can for sure find some baseball players <laughs> we well, can for yeah I well I think you know that's kind of the idea behind million dollar arm anyway and yeah. and, and yeah. it's you know I'm kind of wondering where that fits into what you and your family how you were kind of introduced to that what you thought of it what your family thinks of that when they see that um, and maybe even family you have in India still, who that's their whole idea of baseball is watching Million Dollar Arm. What do you remember yeah. about seeing it and sharing that experience with your family? Watching the Million Dollar Arm, it was, it was kind of nice because uh, having some sort of connection with India and baseball was uh, definitely something very cool to see. Um, I, I will say this, a Million Dollar Arm did give a little bit of a bad uh, portrayal of India, which I was yeah. not too happy about, but that's just the that's just the scenario of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but um yeah it kind of, it's, that, that's what started the connection i feel like people kind of just walk around and say you could be the million dollar arm but i'm like not so quite it's a different situation but not quite yeah <laughs> but uh um uh, it was definitely a start of a of a connection i would say uh which was something that was very cool and um looking back and doing a little bit of research on the two guys that were there um in that throughout that process i think it's something that uh that connection will never go away. So that, I think that, I think now that was the official start of it. And I want that bond of major league baseball, minor league baseball and Indian uh, and, and just a, a community of Indian people to just uh, stick forever. You're um, you're a political science major with a minor in statistics and data science. Uh, Correct. What, um, so where were you going to go with that? If, as you started this journey, if baseball wasn't going to be in your future, what were the what were the aspirations with those uh, those courses of study? Yeah, um, I was uh, I've been very interested in cybersecurity 
um, as of late. Um, I, I've been doing a lot of classes on international security, international relations, um, and I've been learning a lot of coding on the side um, as well. So um, in regards to the political science aspect, and I would say a little bit more of the analytical side, I would go on the cybersecurity. And this would be more like an analyst at first and maybe proceed to expand as the coding tends to get better. Um, but I will say on the statistics side, um, not really shying away from the game of baseball. I want to be in the front office. I think it would be really cool to do some sort of data analytics um, for an MLB organization. Um, one of my best friends, uh, his name is Quinn Clare. He's currently doing player development for the Philadelphia Phillies right now. Um, he's taking a gap year and doing player development. So learning from guys like him too, who's already going through that sort of process. Um, and I just want to be a, a part of an MLB organization and contribute in a big way. Roland, I want to ask you maybe something of a, a, a larger social context question. I'm not sure that your experience might have been the same as mine growing up, uh, you know, as I said, a generation apart. But I always, the one thing I found great about being a fan of baseball uh, was it was something that proved to be very inclusive in, in a neighborhood growing up when you might not feel like part of the larger group around you and you have, um, you know, you have a, a background that might make you feel like you're not part of the larger group, baseball becomes very inclusive. Did you have any sort of experience like that growing up? Uh, for sure. For sure. Um, I would say that baseball is one of the most diverse sports uh, when it comes to players in the MLB organizations. Uh, China, Japan, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, um, simply putting Indian Americans in that aspect uh, would just make it a more interesting uh, team, I would say, when it comes to uh, experiencing different cultures and different backgrounds. Because um, I, I do think it's, it's very cool to have a very diverse team, kind of just learning from each other, um, understanding what they go through in comparison to what you yourself goes through. Um, but yeah, I would say baseball is a very, very inclusive sport. Um, I do think we have a lot of guys of different backgrounds um, at Yale. And I do think it, it just makes it more of a comfortable environment for everyone um, to uh, to really go out and, and do your thing. As far as your what you try to do off the field, and right now clearly there's a, there's a very big focus on the field and for good reason. Uh, can you tell me what Kitab is? Yes. So um, I started this in high school, my brother and I. Um, it's, it means book in Urdu, which is a native language in, in India. And essentially what it is, is we are collecting books from pretty much all around the world um, and giving it to underprivileged children in, in India. Um, and I do think there's also an education aspect to this as well. Uh, people in India, a lot, of, a lot of great people have been working on this as well. Um, uh, kind of just educating them on kind of like these books that are that are being given to them. They're all very thankful for the books, but uh, obviously there's more that we can do. Um, we we have higher ambitions ambitions when it comes to um, this sort of project, and I do think with kind of with the crazy COVID thing going on, and um, obviously with baseball now, uh, hopefully an off season comes very soon to where I'll start to um, take up the project even more. So. Uh, I would say Kitab's been one of the coolest things I've I've done uh, throughout my life, and we just got to keep doing a just got to keep helping these children because they they deserve more. And this how did you know, this is something you guys just you and your brother thought of on your own? Uh, yeah, so we we have a small connection in India who actually started this um, herself, and 
there was not a U.S. side of this, so no one really, no one was really collecting books uh, in the United States. So my dad, my brother, and I thought it would be probably the best thing if we could do that because um, with the amount of people that we know within the U.S., it would be really cool to see what kind of book draft we can we can we can hold. And we got books from Houston, Seattle, New Jersey. Um, I want to say those are the uh, we got those from other places, and obviously Charlotte as well. Um, yeah, so it was it was a phenomenal book draft. We also did a GoFundMe to uh, for uh, for these people. So um, th- this was this was quite cool. All right, so I, I, people who are listening to this do not have a visual, so they can't see you. But I'm going to ask you to describe how this came about. Okay, um, every even the scouts who I've talked to, they all say the same thing. You know, you have the Raleigh fingers handlebar mustache <laughs> working. Uh, how did uh, how did that one come about? How'd you how'd you come up with that look? Um, once once COVID hit, um, well before before I even go into that, I can't grow facial hair. You know, um, it's 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 a okay. it's a um, it's a rule that's uh, super uh, puts okay. within the program, um, and I respect it. I do. Uh, I did take advantage when I was not at Yale to grow <laughs> some facial hair. Um, uh, when it comes to facial hair, I grew my biggest beard in eighth grade, which puts into perspective how quick and how early I started growing <laughs> facial hair. So I knew this was a potential. It wasn't anything crazy I was thinking about, but it was a potential thing that could have happened. So I, I had three different phases of facial hair. Uh, first, I tried out the full beard, um, and I had a full head of hair at the time too. So this is this is like a completely new person to some people, and I love it. Um, and then I, the second phase I went to, I shaved my head and had a royal beard with uh with kind of like a really thick mustache and i want to say as uh, june 2020 i figured i mean it's possible might as well try it so i went to i went to a barber who specializes in uh handlebars because he himself used to have one so i figured is it long enough and he's like yes and i'm like shave off this beard and let's try this <laughs> so uh june of 2020 uh i had a handlebar for the first time wasn't wasn't even close to as long as this i would say it's like it was like maybe to the lower portion uh, mm-hmm. of my bust that's where it is right now but it was definitely a start um and if i'm still gonna be pitching and if, I, if i'm still gonna if i'm not gonna be at yale i'm going to keep this for as long as i can um i figured it'd be like a really cool marketing tool to, <laughs> to use as well i thought it, uh, i thought it was, as of late but uh more or less it's just something different it, uh, I'm already different when it comes to Indian American playing baseball. Why not be different with the facial hair too? Um, I, I love being unique in that aspect. But to be honest with you, Raleigh fingers did not really come to mind. It was just more of like, it would be really, really, really cool if I could do this. Um, and luckily, I've it's it's been going on since for over a year now. Did now did you know Raleigh fingers, or did you have to Google? Um, I I did know him. Um, <laughs> I just like I, it didn't even come to my mind yeah. that he had a handlebar as well. Okay. Uh, I will say the handlebar kind of like reminded me of like the Rajasthani princes back then and the back in the day. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I would I would read a lot of these comic books and all of these kings and princes were ha- would have these handlebars and they still do in in the state of Rajasthan, but uh, uh, not to the they're at a completely different level. But this is definitely a uh, something that I just really really wanted to try. I, I my parents it grew in my parents it, at first they were like. <laughs> Shave that thing off right now. But I don't blame them. I don't, I don't blame them. They're like, this This is crazy. How are you doing this? And then I kind of just kept on 
leave i just left it there and they just uh it, it just grew on them so um yeah uh it's, and it's been like this ever since so it's, it's it's been really really cool all right you're not that far away from realizing a part of your dream um and three years ago like you said we've talked a little bit about the evolution of your your pitching career the last few years and where you thought your dreams were going to be uh i don't know if you imagined where you would you know that you would be this close uh coming up to draft day and thinking about the potential here um what do you think draft day is going to be like for you uh i'm just gonna be anxious i'm just gonna be very anxious and excited to regardless of what happens um because we don't know what's happening like this is i've i've shown four starts i've shown the development side of things as to what's going to happen and july 11th through the 13th i we're just hoping for the best they're just hoping for the right fit the right opportunity at the right time um and i do think that i'm forever thankful for all these teams that have come and watched me in the past month um and I, I do think regardless which team gets me, just know that they're going to get a guy who's going to work his butt off and really, really try to make an impact very, very quickly um, uh, throughout the minor league system and and hopefully very soon in the major league system. And have you carefully explained to your parents and your family that getting drafted means you leave school and you're, you might have to come back and finish that part of it some other time? Yes, yes, uh, that is a, that is a conversation we've had to have a lot. <laughs> um, I I will say that uh, the portion that they that we all liked was that the school gets to uh, get paid for, it. Um, and Yale is a very prestigious uh, school, but it's also quite an expensive uh, school as well. Um, and with my brother already going to Middlebury in the fall, um, it's going to be a little bit of a toll. So I figured that conversation would kind of stir about once I learned about it, I told them immediately. And that was something very cool that actually both of us did not know at the time. So um, once we got to learn that aspect, that school actually gets to get paid for. Um, and that, and that the mentality of go pursue your dreams, school can always be done later. Um, that was something very reassuring to both of us. My thanks to Rohan Honda and best of luck to him and his family as they begin their journey into professional baseball after the coming first-year player draft. I know he's someone my family will be excited to follow along the way. Hey, if you're new here, please check out the 30 with Murdy archive at Odyssey and Apple Podcasts. You can check out recent conversations like the ones with Princeton head baseball coach Scott Bradley and former Pirates all-star Dave Parker. Make sure to subscribe and review and all that jazz. Also check out the WFAN Baseball Insiders podcast for your Yankees and Mets talk. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.